Rich, how much would you hate me if I made you do an intro to the episode right now? I hate you quite a lot. Yeah. So, so <laughs> really? don't. So don't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. Well, first episode back. No worries. I'll do it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's Red Voices podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a good start. First half of this week's episode is focusing on United's rather wonderful three 0 win against Sheffield United. I'm delighted to welcome Richard Cam back to the podcast. How are we? Uh, well, I'm not going to lie and say things are great, but um, it's nice to be able to pod again. I think you said at the start yeah. of the start of the last episode that you know I think all three of us have had some difficult times in the last few years, and mm. um, the pod's kind of a, a bit of an anchor, isn't it? A bit of a distraction, but it's something that we we create that we feel is important or at least fun anyway. And so it's it's nice to just be doing something like that. Yeah, man. Uh, what well, I mean obviously we all know that things aren't easy at the moment so you know really appreciate you that you feel up to doing this at the minute and it's always fun doing this yeah so uh let's let's cast our minds back then to a couple hours ago lineups released i mean bearing in mind what happened against spurs on friday night bearing in mind that chelsea had beaten villa which was expected wolves had a pretty decent result as well the pressure was really on united to win with a certain not necessarily with a certain degree of comfort but to get a result from today because it's I mean, the table's going to be in flux for the next month or so anyway, but it was really key that we got a result tonight, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And it's not not necessarily because of Sheffield United, really. I think it's almost more to do with Chelsea and Wolves. I think the, the, the way that the, the season's been delayed and then the way that it's been scheduled has been very... It's very unkind on Sheffield United. I mean, it can't be helped, but it it is what it is. And it, it really kind of exposes the, their relatively small squad, which has already been semi... Well, the defence has already been kind of semi-decimated with... Um, injury and suspension and so the side that we were facing today was probably four or five maybe even six players short of their their best team so it was important that we went out and did the job that we needed to and I was pleased that Ollie went strong because I think we need momentum we had a lot of momentum before the break and we need to make sure that that's that's perpetuated and so we probably put out I mean I'd say that starting 11 was probably the most talented starting 11 we've put out in, in pure talent terms since Fergie's last year, last season, I'd say. I mean, there's there's an argument to say you even might have to go back further than that in terms of raw potential talent. You know, I might even say it back to what 2008, 2009. I think Is that mad. You, I think if you, I know what you're saying. I think if you if you take into account Greenwood's um, potential, which is pretty monumental. I mean, I look at that. I look at that team today, and I think that midfield's probably the best we've had. Almost going back to that time you're talking about, really. The front three Skulls, Hargreaves, uh, Carrick. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and the, that, the front three is incredibly talented. It's just really eking the potential out of that. The, I looked to that team. The only real issues I, I have with anyone in that squad is I'm still not really a fan of Luke Shaw, and I'd, I'd, like, a, I'd like another left-back to compete with Brandon Williams, and I think a better centre-back, and you're looking at a really, really strong 1-11 to in old money terms. Mm. I don't disagree with that, to be honest. You know, I think you look at where you could improve. You know, the, in terms of the areas of the pitch that you know it can improve on at the minute, every transfer window that goes by, they seem to lessen. And I'm not suggesting that we are, you know, six months away from a, you know, a tilt at the Premier League title, but the gap that we created for ourselves is lessening. You know, in terms of trying to get back up to the top of the of the English football. And, you know, performances and results like today certainly, and the way that we did it as well. And as you mentioned, our midfield in particular, you know, it, it, it's really encouraging. And especially after Friday, where we didn't necessarily 
pick the team in the right way. We didn't necessarily set up correctly and we didn't necessarily have a lot of control over midfield, especially in that first half. I thought this, even after a shaky couple of minutes, to be fair, because United were sloppy in the first seven minutes before we got that yeah. goal, weren't we? Yeah, very, very sloppy. There was just just simple passing. Um, Sheffield United were, were able to get the ball forward very quickly to their two forwards and, and, and the, the full-backs that were press, pushing on. We really kind of played... Sheffield United's success this season has really been in a fairly innovative system and the fact that they they press teams really hard, won the ball very quickly and they have a lot of movement both from the you know, they have they have centre backs that step out, sometimes go wide and the full backs get very far forward and the forwards are lively and we really played into their hands in those first kind of as you say, six or seven minutes where we were just incredibly sloppy and so they had the ball in quite advanced areas in a way that they didn't really again until well, they only had a couple more spells where they really got into United's half in the whole game, but so that was the that was the really concerning start. But then United slowly started to take control as quality kind of took hold, and we really dominated possession for an awful lot of the rest of the game. Yeah, I mean, I think the timing of that goal certainly helped, and I think the way it was mm. dispatched was even more enjoyable. You know, the fact that it was basically just Rashford being wise to the fact that Nord wasn't aware of what was going on around him. You know, it was a yeah. good throw in by Wambasaka, but. Such quickness in terms of feet of foot from Rashford and a great flash across goal. Sheffield United again, and we saw from his third goal, they couldn't get set quick enough. And, you know, swings his right foot and makes it 1-0 in seven minutes. Arguably, up until that drinks break, we could have put the game to bed in that first 20, 25 minutes. You know, we looked so great. But it wasn't just that we were pressing quickly and swarming forward well. We were creating chances seemingly at will even when Sheffield United were set up and, you know, back with a lot of people behind the ball. You know, but that one chance that Rashford had where Martial really should have taken it on and just scored himself. And he passes across goal. And I'm going to give Rashford the benefit of the doubt there. I think he's not expecting that ball to come back to him. Yes, there's an argument to say perhaps he should be ready for it. And it wasn't necessarily quite in his flight path to to be able to just slide it in. But still, it's not a good look for anyone that that didn't go in. No, I mean, I think you're right. It was slightly unfortunate that the ball was just behind him on his on his wrong foot and, and he had two Sheffield United players around him. And I think he possibly could have taken the touch, a good touch, and then and then rolled it in. But I think he just he just snatched it. As you say, he may not have seen it coming. What was really interesting in that, that period when United really could have scored two or three more was the way that Sheffield United were playing such a high line. Again, and that, that's a Sheffield United with... 79-year-old Phil Jagielka and centre-back and, and they'd had to make quite a few changes and they just looked at sixes and sevens really and when you've got a forward line with the, the pace that United had in Martial and Rashford and Greenwood then you know we were causing them all sorts of problems but it was really really frustrating that we didn't really make make those that dominance count um, I think Rashford had another chance after that didn't he where he rather slashed at a shot and, and missed, missed yeah. the ball altogether That would have been stunning Yeah I mean some, the link-up play was beautiful I mean one of the things that's been so wonderful since Bruno Fernandes has come is that it's reminded us what what a really great technical midfielder looks like. And I don't think he had his best game by any stretch, but you can see the quality on his quality on the ball, the the the, the way that he can see a pass, the way that he's willing to take risks. But he actually has the quality to pull them off sometimes. And when you're comparing that to Andreas Pereira or and even even a kind of Scott McTominay playing as a box to boxer who's you know I think really valuable but he's not he's not a technician as such it's a long time since we've seen a midfield with the quality 
on the ball of Fernandez and Pogba, and it's it's a bit of a treat at times. And as you say, it's almost it's a shame some of that attacking football was almost wasted on an empty stadium. It's it's the kind of football that you you almost appreciate more when you've got seventy six thousand people kind of roaring at it. It's not strange, but the 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 one thing about these 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 ghost games in inverted commas is just that the football's great, but you just lose that atmosphere and that passion and you know when when we score it's not the, not quite the same and it's almost like you can't quite appreciate as much it feels like it's a training match um mm. but yeah united played some lovely link up playing for about 25 minutes after the after the first goal and it was just really really frustrating when you get the second goal at that point yeah i mean the drinks break again whilst yeah. you appreciate that you know temperatures were in the high 20s today so it's no surprise and it was you know it is needed at the minute because players aren't anywhere near full fitness on the flip side of that that's twice you know in the last week that United have struggled to maintain momentum when the drinks break is coming and while Sheffield United didn't actually create a clear-cut chance in that period uh, after immediately after the drinks break still noticeable that United did struggle to get back into their stride you know and it did take us a little while to get back into it you know I think there was one option I think where Martial was trying sorry uh, Fernandes was trying to free Martial but other than that we looked it took us a good sort of 10 minutes or so 10-15 minutes to actually get back to it but then when we did you know at that point the second goal felt quite eternal didn't it and it came from an excellent piece of skill on the right by uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Yeah, I mean, it's really, really interesting that there's still been quite a lot of talk about his lack of um, forward end product. You know, from my perspective, I've I've seen a lot of improvement in that in that regard from him in the well, certainly prior to the shutdown, and and again we saw today. Um, you can see that he does have to improve. He does have to continue to improve in that regard. But you can you can also see that he was at one point a winger, and he almost needs to kind of refine that confidence as a winger to actually to actually beat his man and and that's something he has started doing and it was it was it was great he just kind of he went one way scooped the ball the other just gave himself half a yard really over the defender and actually pulled back a really effective cross and it it, mm. it was it wasn't an easy finish from Martial but he he just caught it beautifully lovely technique and 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 got the second yeah i mean i think what was key there in particular was Wambasaka hitting that cross so quickly I think if he waits a split second longer or takes another touch the space goes so I think getting rid of that quickly and delivering it so well was really key there and yeah you know he's had a couple of several moments over the last six months where he's been able to produce moments like that and it is clear he is improving that element of his game you know we all know what he's like when it comes to last ditch or any kind of tackling when he's on the floor he's excellent there but you know a lot of United's best moments and our best play really does come down the right you know it's even more exacerbated when Luke Shaw has a game like he did this evening which one glorious pass to Igalo aside he was pretty frustrating (laughs) so the the fact that Wan-Bissaka is continuing to improve his attacking instincts on the right hand side that's a big bonus for United especially when we've got options like Pogba and Fernandez who are dovetailing You know, again, you, you've said it, they weren't necessarily at their best today, but you could see how that duo can work, especially in games like this. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that United have lacked in in such a long time is is kind of dual threats, being able to, to attack a team in, in multiple different ways. We've had periods where we've not had the quality to break teams down centrally. We've had periods, and we still have periods, where we don't have the quality out wide to to do that and Wan-Bissaka is certainly starting to give us more of an option on that side but you can see you can see he's had to adapt and you understand that he's a 21 year old kid who's been playing at a club where the majority of his work and the expectation on him has been to defend and he's come to a club where that's not enough anymore he has to offer 
stuff going forward and I think part of it is just finding your confidence and working on your game and developing it and for me I'm very satisfied that he's done that and we we are now looking at a point where I think if we signed a a high quality right winger um, whoever that may be then we're looking at a team that has the potential to harm you right across the front line, which I, I honestly can't remember the last time that was the case. And to be fair, in terms of other involvement by Wan-Bissaka, he managed to clear one of the, probably the most dangerous situation that Sheffield United created in the entire game. You know, it was just after the break and it was their one real glance at goal, you'd say. It was the Basham cross. Mm. Mac Burney completely flashes at his header, but if Wan-Bissaka doesn't get that, then it's going to get followed up pretty much immediately. The worrying thing was that as our right back, he was to the left of his goal because mm. and I don't know what on earth was going on with the other three members of the defence at that stage. But yeah, at least he was alert to the danger and dealt with it well because God knows that needed sorting out. You know, at 2-1 down, sorry, 2-1 up, you do wonder about United's ability to close that game out just because there's still that sort of element and that will remain for some time until we start to put teams like this and games like this away. So seeing us deal with that and actually not really see De Gea troubled at all during the entire game, I think he had one save to make and it was very routine. That was encouraging. And, you know, United were able to go about their business in that second half pretty easily really weren't they you know it was confident we didn't lose the ball too much i'll tell you what though one player that i really want to sing the praises of obviously well well, wax lyrical about marcy allen rashford got two assists today he looked great even if he wasn't fantastic you know when it was bearing down on goal i thought the manumatic was lovely today yeah i i mean his his form's certainly been much better really since i'd say after christmas um and i don't know if he's been a one of the players who's benefited from Fernandez's arrival because I don't think I think United are keeping the ball better generally in the midfield area, moving the ball better, and he, I don't think that he's being exposed quite as much as he was um, in terms of his pace. You know, if, if if United lose the ball in that central area, and Matic is your your last midfielder, you've got the potential to exploit him with pace and and, and by overloading that area. And I think mm. United have been, well, I mean, as you're saying that. A large portion of that second half, United was so comfortable on the ball, and we kept we just kept the ball and dominated the game in a way that we haven't done for such a long time. I was pleased because it's a really intelligent way to to go about it. And you could see Fernandez was particularly taking the initiative to 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 keep the ball moving, but not necessarily taking a risk and, and risking losing it because it's such a hot day. I mean, it's been probably mid thirties in the in the sun, which which half of the pitch was. Sheffield United were just chasing shadows for quite a large portion of that game and most of the second half and I think it was just really intelligent I think the way United played it yeah I mean going back to Matic because I want to speak more about him Rich before you try and move me away from it go for it I think he benefits from the fact that he can come out of the side and we can have matches like we did on Friday with Fregnant McTominay Mm. and whilst we didn't look superb at least we're functional in midfield without him there and I think not playing him into the ground and playing him every single game every single week it's helpful. You know, he's no spring chicken anymore. And I think, yeah. as you mentioned there, obviously it helps that Bruno is taking on the ball a lot more and since he's come into the side. And we do look a bit more confident and we are moving a bit quicker, which means he doesn't have to be involved in every single build-up and that he can help to break play down. And also, even, you know, we've, we've spoken a lot about his ability in front of that back four. But when it comes to actually making sure to get the ball well and recycling it he's looked pretty great you know I wonder yeah. one instance where he cuts out one pass when Sheffield were doing one of their very rare attacks 
and then passed it back to Wan-Bissaka. So this was in the second half. And it was just a one-touch pass, basically no look. And he was doing that frequently. Funniest thing was when Gary Neville was singing his praises and he gave the ball away yeah. immediately yeah, afterwards. Did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I mean, I think he's... he's For me, if you're going to play Pogba and um, Fernandez, then you really have to be starting Matic behind them because I think he's he's the most positionally sound and most kind of tactically aware of, of our defensive midfield options. I don't think that McTominay is a natural there. Um, I think he, he's far more effective being able to go up and down the pitch and kind of be drawn out of position sometimes. And Fred, I, you know, Fred's been so much better in the last six months, well, the last six months of football, but I still don't fully trust him as a as that kind of def- defensive midfield shield in the way that I do no. with I do with Matic and you know I'll, I'll happily admit that I thought Matic was done but I'm starting to think now that it was more his form was more reflective of the inadequacies of the rest of the midfield rather than necessarily his own legs going and speaking of midfield is Paul Pogba played pretty well uh, yeah. prior to that five-man substitution I'm not sure that he had as much I mean you know you measure the effect on Friday night when he came on and basically created the penalty out of nothing and was spraying that incredible pass towards Rashford in the second half as well you know I don't think his impact was as devastating as it was today but at the same time it was still wonderful to see him back and playing well. And even if he was giving the ball away, he was still providing something seconds later, like excellent crosses and great passes. And his vision and his ability to dribble is still, you know, it's unsurpassed, I think, at the club at the moment. You know, especially that chance that he created out of nothing. What was he, megging? And then Martial takes it off him, I mean, to be fair, the, the ball had gone a little bit behind him at that stage, so I can't blame Martial for trying, especially considering that he was on top of scoring our very first hat-trick since 2013. What a couple of words on Pogba, how do you reckon he fared tonight? Yeah, I mean, again, again, he and he and Fernandez particularly were, were responsible for United just controlling possession for such large periods of that game. I think his role in that in that three is going to be different from game to game. I think in a game like today where United scored early, where they were largely dominating the game, you can afford to say to Pogba, right, you kind of sit a bit deeper, and let Fernandez play in the more offensive role, spray the ball about, win the ball back, you know, try and try and transition it effectively and, and maybe he'll break forward. Whereas if you're looking at a game like the, like the Spurs game, when he's even if he's started or if he, if he comes on, then you've got a player there who, without making a substitution, you can say, right, I want you to get further forward and do damage offensively. And that's one of the things about Pogba, and I understand why people have been so frustrated, that in terms of his qualities as a midfielder, I don't think there's another midfielder in world football that has that combination of qualities in terms of, as you say, his his passing range. But he's also an incredibly effective dribbler. He can sit deep. He can he can roam forward. The frustration from our perspective, for whatever reason, Pogba has to take some of the blame. So do United in terms of what they put around him. We haven't, we've never seen him effectively do that. But I think now that the potential is there for him to for United to make much better use of him. And I'm more positive about the idea of him staying than I would have been prior to the the shutdown. Um, just because I, I mean I can't see I can't see who's going to afford him anyway, but. You can see a role for him in this team where you think he could be really effective, whereas before it didn't necessarily feel like that. No, I mean, I think, again, you give a lot of credit to Bruno for that. You know, he has been infectious since he's arrived at the club, hasn't he? You know, you can see 
just his sheer desire and drive to win the ball back to get us moving quickly and his creativity on the ball is raising everyone's game pretty much everyone's game anyway and United as a team look better with him involved in it and when Pogba is even playing at 70% he's still capable of producing things that no one on the pitch maybe even the league can do it sometimes so by all means you know the more that we find out how well we can combine these two players you know we've got something really exciting on our hands and Pogba's not going to be leaving for at least the next 12 months you know around Euro 2021 I mean Real Madrid haven't got the money and they're they're probably presumably keeping their eyes on Neymar anyway Juve what was it 70 plus million for Arta that they're thinking of at the minute so there's no way they've got the money either so absolutely there there are no other real buyers for him and I don't think he'd really want to go to Paris Saint-Germain even if that was an option anyway so no I mean I've got to say I've never been more happy to be stuck with a player than I've been with Paul Pogba at the moment. No, I'm not going to complain about that at no, all. Not at all. And I think one of the things one of the things I'd say is that at times it's felt like when he's played, he's looked around him and thought, "If I don't create something, nobody's going to do it." And I think yeah, with, that's not you, there anymore, is it? That's, that's not. Changed. You've partially had. You know, I know, I know he comes across as an incredibly confident guy, but. I do think at times that responsibility has has caused him to play in a different in a different way to his natural game, and I think all of a sudden he can look around him in the team. He can look at he can look at a vitalised Matic behind him. He can look at Bruno, who can also create very effectively. He can look at Rashford. He can look forward to Martial, Greenwood, Wan Bissaka on as, as as an overlapping fullback. And he's thinking, you know what? There's a lot of other players here who can do damage, and the pressure isn't on me. And he can play his more natural game. And I think that fingers crossed will be beneficial both for him and for United. I mean, the only other thing to mention before the end of this game is Martial sealing his hat-trick, which was, for me, the best move of the game. Wasn't it great? You know, Pogba, it had all four. And the, only, the only way it could have been better is if Greenwood was involved as well. It's Pogba to Fernandez, and that flick from Fernandez makes the chance, doesn't it? It doesn't give Sheffield United a chance to really settle. It keeps yeah. them on the back foot. And it's great work between Martial and Rashford. Honestly thought that Rashford was going to pass wide to Shaw and then he'd drive it across goal and maybe we'd get a chance. But the insight to actually clip that ball through to Martial. Little toe poke over the keeper at 3-0. Lovely way to finish off the game. And his first hat-trick in a United shirt, his 19th goal of the season. So, you know, barring a disastrous injury, touch wood, he's going to hit 20 goals for the season. It's already his best ever season in a United shirt regardless, but it was yeah. just such a nice way to round things off, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, and I think I think it was um, almost a product of the fact that by that point, Sheffield United were clearly incredibly tired. They kind of lost their shape in the last ten or fifteen minutes of the game as well. And then when you've got quality, and, and again, one of the things that we're seeing now, which we haven't seen for a long time, is just the the speed of the of the the passing and interchanging in the in the final third, which has been so absent for such a long time. And that that goal was an example of it. One of the really positive things about Martial. Um, this hat trick today, and, and I think generally as well, is that it kind of showed different facets of a striker. You know, we've wanted him to score the, the more kind of predatory goals, which were the first two, but he's also got got the quality to to really score quite quite sublimely as well. Um, and we saw him score with a header at Chelsea a few weeks before the before the shutdown as well. And so, as you say, nineteen goals when he's kind of been trusted to be the United centre forward. I mean, if he can keep keep this up to the end of the season there's every chance he could have 25 goals in all commas by the end of the season I think if you'd said that in August 
that would have been you'd have been pretty happy with that with that result. Well, especially with Ikaku going as well. I know yeah. that he divided opinion, but at the same time, he was still good for 10, 15 goals a season if he wasn't playing at his best. And Martial's yeah. missed several months of the season through injury. So this is an excellent goal return for him. I mean, it's vindication for every single person who stuck by him. And it's a timely reminder of what his talents are. And, you know, people have been bemoaning the fact that he's not able to create chances out of nothing like Mason. But at the same time, it's clear that if you get in the right service, and this has been evident ever since Fernandez has been in the side, I think that's seven or eight goals he's scored since Fernandez joined. Mm. It's clear that if you get quality around him and get the ball to him in the right places, then he'll score goals. And he's got keep, he's got a really keep doing positive, that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he, he's 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 got a very good understanding with Rashford as well. Um, mm. We've seen it we've seen it quite regularly this season. I mean, particularly Norwich was a really good example of of, of the, the sort of understanding they have. And it, they're both players that trust each other's ability to do something a bit different or to do something quality, so they can actually take a chance on that piece of quality rather than thinking, well, that guy's not got the ability to 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 play that pass or to to make that flick work or whatever and I think that's been a really promising um, partnership and when you add Fernandez kind of into that triangle of of talent then it, it, it's really positive for any centre forward and, and certainly for Martial going forward because I think he'll get a lot of chances. Yeah we'll be speaking about the uh, FA Cup quarterfinal tie at Carroll Road against Norwich a little later in the episode so let's just focus on the league for now Rich. Mm. The table's in constant flux at the minute, so I guess we can only really look forward to that game against Brighton on Tuesday. And I'll admit, it certainly looks a bit trickier now than it did a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, we're, well, I was going to say perpetually, we've only played them twice away, but we've we've lost both away games at Brighton so far. The one thing that gives me more confidence is I think that the depth of creative talent we've now got, assuming that, that Fernandez and Pogba and Rashford and Martial are all fit to play and, and, a, cho- and a picked is that I have more faith in us breaking down more limited teams than, than we did before the, the shutdown, really. Um, yeah, it's been, hell yeah. It, it's, been a, it's been a problem for such a long time. I mean, obviously, we've seen this season, we've been far far more effective against the, the better teams where we can play counter-attacking football than we than we have against the teams who, who will be compact and try and break on us and we have to break them down. And I, and I, f- I feel with a bit more confidence that we're able to um, take those teams on a bit more now and, and really and break those defences down. Um, I mean, looking at the league table, Chelsea have got a really tricky run in. I mean, they've got, they've got, as you say, they've got City at home next, then Leicester away. They've got to go to West Ham, and I know West Ham are crap, but it's a bit, it's a big, a big London game. They've still got Palace away in really good form, Sheffield United away, Liverpool away, and then Wolves on the last day of the season. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be playing Wolves on the last day of the season with a potential Champions League spot up for grabs. No, and I expect Wolves to be in it because they've they've got as as relatively soft a fixture list as we have. Um, mm. So and they're they're clearly they've clearly hit the ground running again. They've won. I think they've won again tonight, haven't they? They won one nil. I think is it? They did. I was yeah. just yeah. They've won again tonight. So they're so they're right in there with us. I think Sheffield United have probably shot their bolt, which is a shame. Um, but but Celebi, I honestly think you could you could. It's a toss up between those three teams for who gets that. That that fourth Champions League place, and if if the ban against City is upheld, it could be two of two of them anyway. Um, mm. It's going to be int- really interesting. Well, I mean, I think United should be aiming for fourth. Whatever happens with City, you know, I mean, sorry, let me rephrase that. United should be aiming for fourth and not really even think about the possibility of saying fifth is enough at the minute. Obviously, we'll find out more in the middle of July because that's when Cass's decision on the uh, on the appeal is actually made. So we'll see, but. 
you know, fourth place at the minute is gettable, but United need to maintain its momentum. You know, it, it's 13 games at the moment. You know, it could change completely by the time we get around to Saturday evening, depending on how the FA Cup game goes. But it's a really good run of form. You know, this is Solskjaer's longest unbeaten run since he took over the side. And, you know, fingers crossed. I mean, I'm sure we're going to see lots of changes in prep for Saturday because, you know, Igalo will probably start. Dan James will likely start. He'll probably bring Fred and McTominay back in and save the, the baller lads for uh, Tuesday night over at Brighton. But it's going to be an exciting game. I'm looking forward to it, Rich. Shall we, shall we reconvene after that then? Let's do it. Right, time for a quick break and a chance to mention that this week's episode is brought to you in association with the Pitch Sports app. Set your starting 11s, share your predictions and challenge your friends for the rest of this Premier League season to see who's actually any good at guessing scores. So that's the Pitch Sports app on Google Play and Apple App Store. Tell you what, Paul, it's not like me to tell tales out of school, but Rich was giving you some right shit in the first half of this week's episode. <laughs> see. Yeah, it was like Roy Keane this, Peter Schmeichel that. Oh god, it was horrible. <laughs> Maybe really uncomfortable actually. Really? No, nah, it didn't happen at all. I'm just trying to start some shit. <laughs> I was about to text him. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Uh, well, you know, adding a little bit of extra drama to proceedings, you know, because after two hours of football, we didn't really have much drama. I would say against Norwich in that FA Cup quarter final that we watched earlier on today, Paul. What were your thoughts? Just, oh God, it was a, a bore fest. It really had the feeling of one of those games, you know, in quotes, one of those games where plenty of chances um, and particularly in extra time, it was just all United and it just felt like, oh, not going to happen, this is going to be penalties and we're going to go out. So yeah, but we got there in the end. I, I was very close to leaving the room if penalties were going to come on the television and just checking back in like five or ten minutes if we were going to be there because I just had a feeling... Given the yeah. way this game had gone, I couldn't see us getting through a shootout. Not against Tim Crawl, not against that Norwich side. Pluckiness no. personified today, weren't they? I mean, they were really good, actually, to be fair to them. And uh, uh, I say really good. They came into it in sort of halfway through the first half when I think they realised that United weren't really were at the races. and were... A lot of changes, obviously, that Solskjaer made, which, you know, understandable under the circumstances with everything that's going on. But it just wasn't clicking at all. Sloppy in possession, really. Sloppy sort of final ball. Or first mm. touch as well. Sloppy everything. Sloppy everything, yeah. And it, yeah, just and I think Norwich kind of smelled blood a little bit and deserved to get their equaliser, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm hesitant to be too critical of the performance. Yeah. We didn't necessarily learn a lot new about the players that have been on the periphery of the squad. You know, the, the Jesse Lingard, Diogo Dallo, um, Juan Mata, a couple of other players. You know, maybe, you know, Eric Bailly was good value. I mean, there was that incredible belly flop that he did in the first couple of minutes under zero pressure. <laughs> yeah, that was quite classic, enjoyable. Classic Eric Bailly shot as well, and I think in the second half. That um, went way over. Yeah, right. But yeah, I mean, those players, even prior to lockdown, they weren't necessarily having fantastically uh, useful seasons for United, which yeah. is why they'd be on the edge of the squad. You know, having not played for several months and with that sort of shortened restart to the season, I'm not surprised that a lot of the players that were struggling to perform early on this season are still struggling to perform. And given the fact that United clearly had one massive eye on Brighton on Tuesday... And Solskjaer is clearly prioritising, at least for the time being, the, the league, which he should be doing. Yeah. I'm not too frustrated that it went to two hours that it ended up going to extra time. What about you? No, no not really. I mean, I, I, they probably shouldn't have really have had extra time and should have gone to penalty straight away, given again, given everything that's going on. But I'm glad, obviously, now that, that we did go to extra time. And 
you know, we should probably have finished the game off sooner than we did with the players we had on the pitch. Um, but you're right about the, the sort of fringe players, the squad players. We know that they're not really good enough. We know that we haven't got enough depth. And in a way, that was probably what I got took most from the game was it's, it's kind of reinforcing. Because, you know, these guys, you know, this is their chance. I know it's only an FA Cup game, but it's an FA Cup quarterfinal. It's, you know, against a, a team like Norwich who are bottom of the table, really struggling, haven't done well at all since coming back from the lockdown. And you'd think... Some of these players, I'm not saying they're not trying, but obviously they, work, they are trying. But I mean, if they are trying their best, then it's not good enough, is it? And we and we we really do know that now. And it took six substitutions to change things around. So, <sighs> yeah. in that respect, I suppose we have learned. Well, it's not nothing new, but it's just reinforcing what we already knew, sort of thing. Yeah, I think it's more about the overall level of the squad in terms of its quality mm. than anything else, isn't it? You know, I, I, yeah. Whenever you're going to make that many changes, and yes, Olshaw was quick to point out that this is the same team, bar what one player, uh, Harry Maguire, I think it was, that beat Derby County in the previous round several months ago. Mm. I mean, yeah, Norwich are bottom of the Premier League, and there's an argument to say that United should have put this game to bed sooner. But you know, then they're not completely useless. You know, no. you know, they are a good side that can punish you if you give them too much confidence, and that's exactly yeah, what they, we did. They beat you Spurs, know. didn't they, to get here? So. They did, yeah. I guess the key of it for me was that you look at the way that first half went and it took a good sort of 20 minutes, as you mentioned there, before Norwich sort of weighed things up and sized us up and realised that we weren't really getting in behind them all. And because, you know, we we were lacking Martial and Greenwood and Rashford, there wasn't really much in terms of movement in that forward three or the forward players. So Or pace either. No, exactly. You know, as good as Agallo is, he's not necessarily going to stretch play in any way. Yeah. Is he? You know, he's, he's a poacher. He's fantastic at that. And we'll come to his uh, massive contribution of the day in a minute. But, you know, there was really no movement. And that gave Norwich, Norwich encouragement. And, you know, it was good for Dallow to actually be in the sense of a one pullback cross from the byline, because otherwise I think that was going to be 1-0. And we would really have struggled if we'd gone down in this game, I feel, because Norwich showed that they could defend really usefully and they weren't really having to expend much energy to keep us out you know obviously when you make sweeping changes like that the whole tone and your ability to dictate what happens in the game and how much you can stretch teams changes and you know it looked like for instance even though they put Bruno in there United struggled for fluency pretty much the entire two hours yeah it was funny wasn't it Bruno's performance you mentioned in the group chat earlier it hadn't been one of his better games and it's difficult to know why I mean there was one fantastic pass and it's about around the 20 minute mark I think he passed it to, through to Regalo and it really reminded me of um, Paul Gascoigne in 1990 in Italia 90 when it's like threading it through the eye of a needle I think it was um, the commentator I think Barry Davis maybe said that in commentary about Gascoigne and he has got that incredible ability to just take out like three or four players with one pass. So we know he can do that and, he, and he's been doing that, you know, pretty consistently since he joined United. But today he was a bit quiet and he's still trying these things and, and that's fine, you know, and that kind of player, it's not always going to come off and you don't mind because when it does, it's it's, it's pretty scintillating. Yeah, I mean, most final third passes, most amount of shots, most chances created, most yeah. successful take-ons. I mean, most shots, to be fair, what, one of them was on target? I, I know, I know. Yeah, his shooting wasn't great today. But, and this is the thing, you know, we, we, we're saying that, you know, he, he had a bit of a... Uh, by his standards, he didn't seem to play as well as he, as he usually does, but he's still, before Paul Popper came on, he was kind of the beating heart of the, of the, of the team as usual. You know, everything's going mm. through him. 
and and United, you know, are looking to him to to create stuff because we know he can do that. So although it wasn't his best performance, he was still, you know, he still make, makes United tick. And I guess that's why Solskjaer's picking him literally week in week out. And you you know do sometimes worry just like everyone else have three months off. You know we don't want to run him into the ground because he works so hard. I mean, there's that. I don't want to jump ahead too much, but there was, I think it was in the right at the end of the second half when he um, he ran pretty much the length of the pitch to, and he overtook uh, Brandon Williams and the, and the Norwich player, I can't remember who it was now, to make a, a like a last-ditch defensive tackle. I mean, he, you know. Yeah, I mean, that was an extra time. It was extra time, yeah. And he never mm. stops. And I remember sporting Lisbon fans saying um, that about him. You know, he will give it absolutely everything. And you will pop up, like Wayne Rooney in a way, you know, pop up in, in the dying seconds to make those defensive tackles. And you want to see that. But you also, Solskjaer needs to protect them in, in a game like this. You know, I was actually surprised that he started this game. I mean, I, I think Solskjaer looked at it and thought, we need some creativity. If I take Pogba and Fernandez out of this side, then who's going to come up with a chance? And, you know, uh, you take that lineup and maybe swap what? Andreas for Bruno. Ugh. If you swap those two players over, then I can't see us having a really great game at all. No, I, I, mean, I thought he might start Pogba. That's, that's what I, I mean, and, Andreas. Yeah. Well, I think his, his days are numbered, really, at the club. I wouldn't be surprised, no. I mean, I guess, you know, as that game sort of wore on, it did take us until the second half to, you know, really respond to what was going on around us. You know, yeah. the defence had a bit of a mixed bag of an evening, you know. Luke yeah. Shaw had one great moment where he did well to close down Puki, who's looked a shell of a player that started off this season so encouragingly in the first several months. But he got back well and covered the he space did. Did. Uh, in the middle of a break. But then, you know, you get instances where he's allowed to run the length of the pitch and he has time and space to pick out a decent ball across the six-yard box and he gets blocked. His crossing delivery is still... It's dirt. It's terrible. He was so wasteful today at times, wasn't he? Yeah, and it makes me wonder, you know, what... Because he started all three games so far. I think, apart from Harry Maguire, he's the only one to have done that. And I'm starting to wonder just how much further Solskjaer can push him. Obviously... You do have to look at the whole situation, the context of which football is being played with and wonder just how much further you know, these players can deliver at this exact moment in time. But these things aren't new that we know from Luke Shaw. You know, this isn't no. a random new revelation. And that is... I don't think it's turning into a problem, Mary. I think it's always been a cause for some concern over the last year and a half. And it's because Shaw's never properly nailed down that position. You know, He's had bits and starts over the last year and a half or so where he's looked really encouraging. But he's just not able to keep it going, you know. And I'm hesitant to say it's a it's a disaster that United have to sort out straight away. But it is food for thought, considering that you know we have got somebody to play around with, and Brandon Williams is coming through. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Luke Shaw, he was playing well before the lockdown. I mean, he had that fantastic performance against um, City, you know, and he was playing pretty well. He was he was looking, he was kind of playing on the left hand side of the almost was it a back five when he was playing really well and. You think, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe he's going to come good and he's going to sort of fulfil the potential. But I just don't. I, don't I guess he could, he could be a squad player. But I mean, obviously, Brandon Williams is still very young. It's only his first season. We've seen players have fantastic sort of breakthrough seasons and then drop off a bit. So he is a worry, Luke Shaw. You know, I've said in the last pod, I think, you know, his positional sense often leaves a lot to be desired. We know that after, after any break, it takes him a little bit of time to to sort of find his feet again. And I wonder whether maybe. Solskjaer's aware of that and he's kind of trying to play him into form and fitness and whatnot. No, that's a fair shout. Yeah, I just, you know, I thought, you know, against Norwich, maybe he knows that he needs the game time. 
Yeah, he's, he's a bit of a worry. His distribution just isn't good enough at times. And his control isn't good enough at times. And, and I wonder about his football brain sometimes as well. You know, we've got some very, very clever players in the team at the moment. And with Solskjaer obviously trying to use the fullbacks in a very attacking way, or increasingly, you know, I just don't... I'm not sure Luke Shaw's got that in his locker, really. Well, I'll tell you one thing, though. One thing that was useful about this game. Harry Maguire. Yeah. Really good performance. Great block from Rupp in the first half, I think it was, from a Cantwell pullback. Amazing block. Yeah, Liam Cantwell. Or as the BBC commentary was calling him, Todd Cantwell. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I thought Maguire was great, but I thought a Cantwell in particular. I mean, he's been one of Norwich's most exciting players to watch all year long, and he just further confirmed that earlier on today. Yeah, but yeah. He's given Dallow all sorts of problems, wasn't he? I mean, Dallow has already got the look of a player that needs to go out on loan somewhere. I don't know where that is, but get some regular first-team football because yeah. there is clearly talent there. I don't think he fully knows what to do with it just yet. And I think some regular first-team football... fiddle as well, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's no way he's going to usurp Aaron Wambasaka at this stage, not with no. the way he's playing. And if Wambasaka gets injured, then we have a real problem in the right back slot straight away. So yeah. if he's going to stay at the club, I think he needs to look a bit longer term and think, well, perhaps my development isn't served by sticking around at Old Trafford for another year, so maybe I need to go out on loan. And I think that'll be the best for him. And I reckon that's that's probably what Solskjaer and the coaches are going to lean towards over the next couple of months. At second half, though, uh, after a bit of a polite rollicking, presumably from Solskjaer, United came out with a little bit of purpose, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We looked we looked better straight away, really. Um, still not, you know, until until we made the substitution, we still didn't look fantastic. But I mean, obviously, we got the goal fairly early on in the second half, and that when we got that goal, the first goal, I thought then, well, this is it. Norwich are going to fold a little bit. They had to go down, and, and United will turn it on. But obviously, that's not what happened. First ten fifteen minutes of the second half was pretty solid, but once we got the lead, we didn't really do anything with it. You know, there was a couple of instances where Fred played a beautiful cross through to Fernandez, but he just ran ahead of it too quickly and was trying to do an acrobatic flick to try and get it on target and ended up pushing the ball away from goal, which was quite impressive. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know why we had any doubt when uh, Agarlo started a game in a cup competition that he wasn't going to score, because of course he was going to score. It was just fated to happen once again because the man's an absolute baller. Lo- lovely little finish as well, wasn't it? Really quite... Um... You know, not, it looked easy. Side of his ankle. At first, I thought, Tim Krull, you know, he should have done way better with that. But, I mean, it was very, very close to him, wasn't it? And mm. Yeah, he finished it really well. And that, that is the thing with the guy. I mean, he, you know, he was fairly quiet today, but he's an intelligent player. He makes good runs. And he's just there in the right place at the right time, which is what you want from a striker. And he's a completely different kind of player to any of our other strikers, really. It gives us that other option, you know, just, just to, to react that quickly. It was really impressive, I thought. Yeah, I mean, you don't necessarily need fantastic gut-busting runs from Mariano Gallo. What you want is good positional sense and awareness of being able to read the play. And he offers that. That's why he's got five goals so far this season. Yeah, they've all come in the cop competitions, but they've really helped. You know, two goals against Derby. Uh, you know, that lovely goal, that really heartwarming goal against Bruges, that yeah. thunderbastard against Lask before lockdown started. And this again today, you know, it's... It's a good range of goals, and it's really pleasing and enjoyable to see him keep that streak going. You know, and I think, especially with the the way the games are coming thick and fast at the minute, there is nothing negative about Igalo staying in the goals. I think that's a really good thing no. for Solskjaer on the side as well. He was a bit of an inspired signing, really, wasn't he? You know, there was a lot of 
I never really understood it, but there was quite a big uproar at the time when we signed. A lot of a lot of United fans I saw sitting on Twitter and, and what was just you know what the hell are United doing signing a player like this? You know, ex Watford, blah, blah blah from the Chinese league. You know, this is pathetic. How the mighty have fallen. And actually, I think we also me you and, and Rich also on the, on the pod at the time. You know, look, this is kind of a win-win situation because even if he doesn't do well. United haven't really lost that much. Yeah, we paid a bit of money towards his wages, but you know, in in, in we can send him back, and no no harm done kind of thing. And and if he does score a few goals, then fantastic. Even if he doesn't score a few goals, then he's making sure that Martial et al haven't got to start every single game. Exactly, you know. So I never got into the uproar, and I'm really happy for him because obviously he seems like a, a really great guy as well. He very it's much his does. Dream come true. Yeah. So yeah, great stuff. I'll tell you, it wasn't great stuff though, Paul. Go on. Not getting a second. Not getting a second. Yeah, that wasn't great. <laughs> no. Conceding one as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, United <laughs> didn't go for the kill, and I think Solskjaer made a couple of changes. Not long after the goal, you know, Rashford came on, Greenwood came on, Williams came on. The fluidity still wasn't really there, not completely. And Norwich were growing in confidence because we didn't really seem to have much of a cutting edge and the desire to kill the game off and put it beyond them. And obviously that gave them confidence, you know, but when Dio was doing well and then Cantwell gets a bit of free space out in front of goal. I thought it was pretty rich of Maguire, despite having... A really decent game. You know, he made an excellent block in the first half, as you mentioned, and obviously scored the winning mm. goal, which we'll get to in a bit. I thought it was pretty rich of him to turn around to Romero at that point, considering that as centre back, it probably should have been his job to close down Cantwell's shot. And he didn't block yeah, it, yeah. didn't get anywhere near it. No. He, had a hell of, he left him with a hell of a lot of space to run into as well, didn't he? Mm. Actually, you know, when you look at the camera angle from behind the goal, you know, Romero was kind of unsighted by Maguire as well, so. Yeah, I thought it was a bit bit harsh of a guy, but I guess it, you know you used to see it with Peter Schweikel, didn't you? When he, whenever he conceded a goal, it was always someone else's fault. True. Yeah. Maybe it could just be that sort of winning mentality, or whatever. I don't know, but yeah, a bit harsh on Romero. Although you'd probably expect Romero to save that. Really, it wasn't struck with that much power. It was a good, it was a decent shot, and it was obviously you know right in the corner, but it wasn't like you said a thunderbuster, was it? Really? No, it was just well placed. Um, and yeah. I think a combination of Maguire not blocking in the sun definitely didn't help Romero. You know, there's yeah. an argument to say that perhaps Dave saves that, but then again, is there an argument to say perhaps Dave <laughs> saves that at the moment? Who knows? But yeah, I guess that leads us nicely into the other big moment of the 90 minutes itself. I mean, we were talking about ups and downs of Bruno's performance in that game. That was one of his best moments, isn't it? Getting that flick towards Agarlo and closes just all over him, pulls him down right on the yeah. edge of the area, clear red card because Agarlo was in there and I would have backed him to score a goal in that instance as well. I mean, at that stage, what was it? 85 minutes or so? Not long towards the final yeah. whistle, but with six minutes of that added on time. You're just thinking please, for the love of God, get this goal and save yourselves half an hour of extra football. Oh, absolutely. And I really thought we would as well. I mean, Rashford, since he'd come, come on, had been a little bit quiet, you know, similar to, to his previous performances. But then every now and then, he's more in extra time, actually, that he, he kind of, you started to see a few more little flashes of him maybe starting to purr a little bit more. But yeah, um, you know, United, we sort of huffed and puffed, didn't we, really, for those last few minutes after sending off without really any kind of clinical-ness. <laughs> I mean, that counts as a word. We'll allow it. Yeah, in front of uh, in front of goal. So, uh, I don't know. Honestly, at that point, I was just thinking, well, 
A, we're not going to win it in normal time. And the way things are going. I mean, Tim Krull, he's just like, he's, he's channeling his inner Brian Friedel. Just like, you know, one of those ways, see, nothing's going to get past this guy now. He's, he's conceded one and he's on fire all of a sudden. And, you know, it wasn't like he was making world-class saves, but it just it felt like nothing was going to get past him. Yeah, I mean, I think the the big problem was that United were trying too hard when they had uh, the man advantage. Plus, we were playing with too many forwards on the pitch. I'm I'm surprised that Agala <laughs> was left on when Martial was, came on. Yeah. That that I understood what Solskjaer was trying to do, and obviously Martial helped because he's a high quality player and he can stretch the play and he gives defenders something to think about that Agala doesn't do. But Agala by that point had already played 90 minutes and yeah. he wasn't stretching the play. So he looked tired. Exactly, yeah. I'm surprised he stayed on for that long. And the problem was is that you had Igalo, Greenwood, Rashford and Martial all playing up front. Obviously, there was some yeah. space between them, but there were just too many players in that zone. And not only that, we were pushing it way too hard down the middle. We were trying constantly yeah. to try and weave our way through the centre. And, you know, it was that overt that everyone was talking about it. You know, they were talking about the commentary, Maguire mentioned it, and... You know, it was just trying to prod their way through through the centre of Norwich's defence, but it just didn't work. I don't know whether that's a lack right. of confidence in our options down the flanks, but regardless, it was constant for the first 15, 20 minutes of extra time. So I guess it's to our credit that Pogba pulled out a marvellous through ball for Igalo, bit of pinball, and then Harry Maguire comes up with a priceless winner right at the end of the second half. Oh, it was so nice, wasn't it? And that Pogba pass, I mean, it's kind of audacious defence bamboozling thing Eric Cantona has anything Zan would do. You know, just like so good to see him looking so hungry and sharp and focused hmm. and trying these little flicks and, and, and pulling them off, you know. And um, it was all about that pass for me, that goal. And obviously, you know, Maguire poking it in, fantastic stuff. And, and he deserved it, you know, like you said, he had a good performance. And it was just a massive relief. I just, I really didn't fancy penalties. I mean, no, I do fancy penalties, but, you know, it just felt like a really long game. It was. It was two hours long. Yeah, it was just like, enough's enough. <laughs> we don't need penalties. So, yeah, it was just it was a big relief, really big relief. And I thought overall, probably we, you know, we just about deserved it. Just about. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that one. It still feels weird, doesn't it? Semi-final at Wembley that none of us can go to. Yeah, it's bizarre, really. And, and I, I suppose like the, the whole idea of the FA Cup kind of feels a bit weird, really. If there had been fans there, it wouldn't have been that much busier anyway because it's the FA Cup and people don't care about it as much these days, do they? But... I don't know. It's uh, it's going to be a funny old day. Mm. Um, well, I guess before we round off this section, uh, there's only really one other thing to discuss. I mean, this isn't me trying my best to put my brave face on it, but I will admit that the bigger annoyance on Thursday night wasn't so much that City losing cost, you know, gave the title to Liverpool. It was more that City losing increased the gap between us and Chelsea to five points, and they were rubbish. Yeah, they're, they're just they're a bit pathetic, aren't they, really? I mean, I mean, I suppose, you know, we obviously all knew that Liverpool were going to win the title, but yeah, I don't know, they've, they've been flaky all season, City, really. I mean, it's going to sound churlish and like I'm trying to sort of degrade or diminish what Liverpool's achieved. And look, they, they've, you know, to win the, the, the league with seven games to go is very impressive and they've played some good football there. I've said it. Um, let's move on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but City have been poor. And Pep Guardiola should hang his head in shame. Shame, Pep. You know, it is pathetic. But they've been like that all season. They're just flaky, City, this season. 
I don't know why, but they are. They're just um, compared to you know. You think about how good they were last season. It's bizarre. I mean, Pep's limitations have never been more obvious in this season. Yeah. And I think that the peak of this team was 12 months ago when they were winning everything domestically and then came up against Spurs in the Champions League. And I think it's going to be very difficult for Guardiola to get them back to that level again. I really do. Well, yeah. And But then again, you know, just imagine this horrific narrative, this possibility, this reality that we could be finding ourselves in in a couple of months, Paul. Liverpool mm. win the league... City win the Champions League, Leeds get promoted. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, it's the stuff of nightmares. It's I know. not happen, I don't think. I mean, it can't happen. It can't happen. I mean, it, it could. It, it could. <laughs> it won't. I think Leeds I won today, I mean, didn't they? Yeah, they did. City can't win the Champions League, surely. No, wait, I mean, but then again, you, you sort of look at the performance against Chelsea and you think, well, maybe they are just throwing all their eggs I mean why wouldn't they throw all their eggs into that the Champions League basket I mean it wasn't so much a motivation problem like it was you know they had a lot of the ball and they were still committed they just couldn't get through and yeah. they were incredibly lackadaisical defensively you know Fernandinho with that ridiculous red card and they do not have a useful back four between them at the minute they've got no, they a rough concept of one but not one that can keep a team out fully for 90 minutes at the minute no, and you know, you also wonder whether maybe they've been found out a little bit. Um, I mean, I think the the big thing for City, obviously, we're going off on a tangent, considering that the bigger thing is talking about Liverpool. But I'm I'm all right to have this distraction. I think <laughs> when teams play up against City and they cower against them and they try and keep it too compact and they're in awe of them. City smell yeah. blood and they rip them to bits. You saw they did against Burnley. Absolutely. Burnley are, of course, they're wildly inferior to City. But if you play that game with that sort of mentality already and just hope for the best, as opposed to genuinely having some belief that you can do something in this game and having trust in what you do well as a team, then you know there's a good chance that something might work for you. You know, we've seen that City are fallible. We've seen them lose games against Norwich. They've lost against us three times this year, despite the fact that, you know, you would argue that they are a couple of levels above us in reality. But yeah, City have got some real problems and I'm Mm. happy to keep on talking about this for the next hour so we don't have to mention the Scousers. If you're all right with that, (laughs) I'm too. Absolutely fine by me. Right then, let's touch base after Brighton. Tell you what, Rich, uh, I don't want to be telling tales out of school, but Paul was giving you some shit on the other half of the pod earlier on this week. Was he? Yeah, he was talking about, you know, flipping football hipster, know so much about the academy and the youngsters and the under-16s and all that sort of stuff. It was very disconcerting. Well, I'll, I'll take it. I'll suck it up. Yeah, yeah, fair and, enough. And in, fairness, and in fairness, I did see Mason Green were coming, which is nice, which is something I can say. Yeah, I mean, you always have that, won't you? Small, small victories. Indeed. Speaking of, well, I guess you can't really call that a small victory against Brighton tonight. Yeah, I mean, it was our second 3-0 victory in the space of a week. And whilst there were plenty of positives from Sheffield United, uh, Old Trafford last week, tonight at the Amex was a different story altogether, wasn't it? I mean, it, it's no stretch to say that was one of the most enjoyable, fluid and devastating United performances that we've seen in years I mean I suppose you can you can look back to the the, the 5-1 of Cardiff in Nolly's first game but I think for the first time for the in the, the weeks before the lockdown and then 
and then these three four games we've had since us but you could take the Norwich game away because that was a bit of a scratch side but the, the three league games you can for the first time I can really see a direction of travel for United as a club and as a team you can look at the first team now and actually I, I would say you've got potentially eight top class players or, or top sort of level talented players in that first team and when you've got that level of quality you can finally because we've, there's been so much talk about United under Ollie being a counter-attacking team and having to play essentially back foot football and try and break for the first time I think we've actually got the, the talent um, in the first 11 when everyone's fit to, to really dominate a lot of teams um, and I think, we, I think we kind of saw it to a degree in, in the second half against Spurs and then it's it's been absolutely evident for the, the two the two league games since then Yeah I think today in particular you know we didn't start the Spurs game particularly strongly. But again, you know, it was the first game back from lockdown. You know, we took a couple of minutes to get into our stride against Sheffield United and, you know, we were hit a little bit momentum-wise by the first drinks break. Today, United looked properly up for it from minute one, really, didn't they? You know, And I think this sort of game is something that has frequently been United's problem, their Achilles heel over the last few years, in the sense that, you know, how do United break down a low block? How do they deal with teams pressing high? And... You know, Brighton offered that on several occasions tonight. You know, after a encouraging first couple of minutes, Brighton were pushing high up the pitch. They were putting our defence under pressure and we were struggling to play the ball out. But then we settled and we started playing some absolutely beautiful stuff, Rich. It was gorgeous mm. at times. Yeah, it really was. One of the, um, I think there's two elements to this. United's work off the ball, particularly in that first half when everyone was on it, was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, the, the press was absolutely relentless and that's what, that's what allowed United to dominate the ball and dominate the territory in that in that first half and, and, and actually have the opportunity to score the goals. But you look at this first eleven now with 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 Greenwood really starting to mature in that right sided role, and you, you'd have to say that he's probably first choice there now. You've got at the very least a fullback in Aaron Wan-Bissaka who's improving offensively and at an incredible rate, really. And you look at this United team now, you've got Fernandes and then you've got Pogba. And, and for the first time in such a long time, you can look at this team and say, we've got multiple ways to do teams damage. And whereas before, all they had to do, teams had to do was just funnel, sit, be compact and funnel us down the middle of the pitch. Now they can't because we've got we've got those fullbacks overlapping that, who could be really effective in terms of chance creation. You've got two players in the centre of the midfield who really are world-class creative footballers. And you've got a frightening amount of pace in the front three, but also a frightening amount of talent as well. And so if you're if you're a, an opposition manager looking at how you're going to stop this United team, you've got five or six problems to solve rather than the one or two that we've had for a, quite a long time. I mean, the the warning signs were there quite early on as well, weren't they? You know, mm. It's a lovely play, piece of play by Pogba setting up Bruno and then curling that shot just off the post. I mean, it would have been just reward for a really encouraging start. But the first goal really didn't take much longer after that. What was it, five minutes afterwards and Mason is strolling through their defence? I mean, again, you mentioned Wambasaka. Lovely vision to keep an eye on what was going on ahead of him. Saw Mason had just a small smidgen of space. And as soon as Mason got that space, it, it, it was... In- there are few players, I think, in world football who have got what Mason Greenwood has got. Just that incredible ability. He's dynamite on the ball. And there's just such a certainty, a dead-eyed certainty when he gets around those areas. Number one, that the shots could be on target. Number two, that he's going to score. Like 
The yeah. way that he faints twice there takes a little touch on his, I think it was his right foot onto his left and hits that in the near post through Lewis Dunk's legs, no less. It was just stunning. But, you know, on one hand, you've got to look at it and say that's an absolutely phenomenal goal. On the other hand, you just recognise that this is what Mason Green has been doing all season. You know, it, it, Mason yeah. doing Mason things. And it, yeah. it's it's still difficult for me to get my head around that we've got such a sublime talent at such an incredibly young age who's capable of so much. Yeah, um, I mean, one of the things I, about about Greenwood is, and I, is that having watched him for quite a long time, I, I don't think I've seen many footballers who are as two-footed as him, as as incredibly good on both feet. It's a ridiculous skill, you know. He can he can take dead ball free kicks and penalties with his right foot with as as much effect and ability as he can with what is supposed to be his naturally left foot. And the problem you've got if you're a defender when you've got Greenwood doing stepovers in front of you is that you know that he can go either way. We've seen him go either way. We saw him against... Um, but <laughs> you, you saw him do that. You saw him You saw him faint to the left, go to Astana. the right. Astana, there you go. Astana, there you go, yeah. Um, and, and, and slide it in with his right foot. But we've also seen him multiple times go onto his left. And the thing he does, and he's done it again here is that most players would go onto their left foot and go across the keeper. They'd side foot across the keeper. But what he does is he uses the player in front of him to shield and cuts it inside the near post. And he's done that four or five times this season when he scored. And it means that the keeper's unsighted and the keeper is expecting, he's working on the basis of percentages that the player's going to go across goal. So he's not ready for the near post shot. And it's another example of that again tonight. And it's a really, really good skill. I think the... The uh, the commentator, maybe Gary Neville, I'm not sure, but or Patrice Evra said that you know the, that's the kind of finish that Ollie used to do. You know that through the legs kind of keeper unsighted, really clinical finish, and that's that's what he is. But 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 if you but having watched Greenwood come through, he's he's not just a finisher. I mean, I literally you could play him in any of the front positions. You could probably play him as a number ten, and he'd be and he'd do a a really good technical job there. He's just he's just Aside from he's he's not lightning quick. He's quick but not lightning quick. And aside from being a bit taller, which doesn't really matter that much, he he really is a footballer who's got almost absolutely everything. I mean, how lucky are we at yeah. the minute to have him? Very. I mean, yeah. especially when you consider the fact that we've been struggling for right, you know, effective right-sided players. I mean, I don't necessarily think that's his most natural position, really, is it? You know, you said there yeah. that he could play in any of the front four positions if he's so pleased because he has got such a versatility and such a strong skill set. So it wouldn't surprise me if he starts, you know, maybe even going through the middle at some point if you want to give Martial a rest. You know, mm. you've got so many options with him. And when he's scoring goals like that, it's just such a joy. I mean, it, it's something because even we've been watching it all season, I hope I don't start taking it for granted because the lad's absolute magic. You know, it, it's so enjoyable to see him score like that. And, you know, it moves on talking about the second goal when United were firmly in the ascendancy and, you know, just waltzing through Brian at will. One of the great aspects about Bruno coming into side and performing so well as he has done over the last several months has been that, especially in the last week, because he's taking on more of the ball, because he's playing in that slightly more forward position, the burden of creativity isn't isn't solely on Paul Pogba's shoulders. So we can have burst impacts on game as opposed to having to dictate play, which I think in some ways is better for him as he's easing himself back into the equation. But also it allows him a little bit more room and space to create. 
And then you get him, you know, on the edge of the penalty area and was swarming forward like that, setting up Bruno. All right, there was a little bit of a luck with the deflected finish. But again, you know, it was wonderfully worked by United. It was no more than we deserved, you know. And considering that how much there would seem to be a deficit in terms of movement and creativity when Bruno was starting against Norwich, the, the jumping quality from what we saw in that first sort of 45 minutes to an hour in the game at Carrow Road on Saturday to today was marked, wasn't it? Yeah, I think you're probably going to, you've seen a few players on uh, on the weekend who won't be, fingers crossed, won't be United next season. I mean, one of the things I've been so pleased about is how ruthless Ollie's been. And I, I was talking about this in the summer and I don't think a lot of people didn't seem to feel it was the case, but he's he's looked at really big names like Sanchez and like Lukaku. He's looked at Chris Smalling. He's he's looked at a number of players in this squad, and he's just said he, he could have gone for experience. He could have gone for experience and, and the kind of big name, but he said no, that's not what we're doing. We're going to ship these guys out. They're not right, and we're going to build something. And a lot of people really mocked that. And I, th- I have to say, you know, we, we, when we lost to Burnley in early January, we were all really concerned about where this was going because mm. things were really grim, weren't they, at that point? Oh yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any there's. It's good to actually talk about where we saw this season going when we lost that game against Burnley because we couldn't see a way forward. You know, I no, no. I thought Ollie was treading on thin ice at that point. I really did. Yeah, I mean, I I think the thing is that the, the level of risk he took in the summer to get rid of the players that he did, and to I mean, I'm sure he'd have liked a striker, and he said he would have liked to get a striker in, but to take the risk that he did and go into this season with the squad. That as it was with that short and with this this intention to really go with Greenwood and some of the young players and and really go his own way that was incredibly that was incredibly bold it really was and it could have been the end of him and it almost almost probably was the end of him at that point but you've seen in I think I think really Fernandez has been the catalyst to all of this and and, and I'm sure he'd have really pushed for that signing and. As soon as he'd got a guy in of that quality in creative areas, you can immediately see what what he's been trying to do all along. And if ever there's been something that's told us the quality gap between the players we've got back in now and the players that we've been watching far too much, it's firstly Norwich at the weekend, and it's secondly the substitution of Bruno Fernandez tonight to bring on Andreas Pereira. And I, <laughs> there, in, in recent in recent times, there will rarely have been a a, a United substitution which has involved a quality gap as great as that. It, it shows us how it shows us how important Bruno is and how how important these better players are in the team. And it also tells us that we've still got a lot of work to do in terms of the squad. But you can finally see what Ollie's doing. That's the point. Mm-hmm. You can see yeah. where he's going. You can see and one of the things we've said over the last few years that's been really frustrating is pe- players we've bought and players we've brought in haven't improved last season particularly, but the season before as perhaps as well. Even when results were better, you're looking at the signings. You're looking at Lukaku. You're looking at Pogba. You're looking at all these guys that the various managers have brought in. You thought they're not getting any better. They're just doing what they're just doing what they're doing, and there's no real development or improvement. Whereas now you can look at Juan Bissaka, you can look at the improvement in, in Matic even as the, the degree to which he's improved in the last few weeks. You can look at the way Greenwood's developing, the way Rashford's developing, the way Martial's becoming a better centre forward. All of these things are things we've not seen for years. We've not seen players develop like this and, and actually improve in front of our eyes. And so it's really 
lovely but you know we can't say it's going to continue forever or there won't be bumps in the road or whatever but for the first time you actually feel excited by the football excited by the plan and excited by the potential of the players that we've got because we can actually see them achieving it yeah i mean going back to our chat last week after the sheffield united game and you know talking about how talented this side was and trying to think back to a time where united had this much creativity and talent at its disposal and I do think it is it is going back to that last Champions League winning squad at this stage in terms of United having a team that is as exciting as the one we have now. I'm not ashamed to admit it. There were various points in that first half where I was getting a little bit emotional looking at the way we were playing. Just some of the stuff we were playing was just scintillating. The, the movement off the ball the availability of players to be able to receive passes, but the the way we were passing and moving it and the creating chances, it was just beautiful. It, it yeah. was really fantastic to watch at points. It scratches that nostalgic itch because you just don't remember when United had consistently done this sort of stuff over the last mm. sort of decade. You know, we, even when we were winning some of these last Premier League titles, we weren't necessarily at our flea-throwing best and we might offer a couple of performances up like this. And obviously, you know, this is still in the middle of you know a rebuilding period so you know this is not going to be every single week we're not going to be able to perform like this every single game that we uh, offer up at the moment but at the same time the performance level at the minute and the weapons at our disposal and you know if Rashford doesn't get you at the moment he might not be playing his best game if Martial doesn't get you then Mason's going to get you or Bruno will get you you know mm. United have got a lot of weapons at their disposal at the moment and so many ways in which we can hurt you and it's best emphasised by that absolutely goddamn remarkable third goal. I mean, when was the last time we scored a goal as good as that on the counter? Arsenal Champions League? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, possibly, yeah. I mean, it's one of those goals where you make that really strange sound you make when you've seen something really fairly incredible happen. Yeah, what, what was your noise? Kind of I'll give you mine. What was yours? I th- it was kind of like a deep kind of... Ah, oh, noise like that. Really. <laughs> oh God! That I, I was think I mean, I was, <clears throat> bear, bear, bear with me. I wasn't actually listening to myself at the time, but it was like a, it was kind of like a mixed, <laughs> a mixed roar and a mixed kind of holy shit. Look at that! What? That just happened. <sighs> just happened. Kind of, kind of. It was more of a growl, I think. But yeah, I mean, it was, apparently it was it was twelve seconds from the first defensive touch to the ball going in the net. It was just lovely, wasn't it? I, I was mm. thinking for a minute. I was thinking, what's Greenwood doing on the left wing? Why is Greenwood there? And it didn't really matter after that, did it? I mean, nope. you know, for, for, again talking about his quality, but the quality of the quality of the cross was was ridiculous. The quality of the Matic pass, which set him free, was ridiculous. What did he chest it up and then hit it on the half volley into open space with the ball behind him as well? Yeah, yeah exactly. It was, it was... Mason takes one touch before he crosses that, and it's and you, it, it's a deliberate cross. He's looking at the, he's looking for Bruno at the back post. Mm. And then for Bruno just to come in and get such a sweet connection on it, it was just, you know, the best goals are all volleys. To score an incredible counter-attacking goal that's finished with a really, really lovely volley at the back post. It was almost a bit bit Cantona-esque against Newcastle, wasn't it? Mm. <clears throat> the, fi- the finish. Um, oh, but yeah, man. I mean, it was just, it was just a, just a, a it, was the kind, it was the kind of goal that, not necessarily in style, but we've seen Liverpool and we've seen City particularly who score a lot of really high quality goals that make you go wow that's that's pretty special and we haven't done that enough much mm, at no. all really 
in in recent times. You know, just to see United score a goal like that again is is, is just a real a real privilege, I think. Oh, I mean, it was magic. You said it right there. It was a privilege to see it, and it was just there are so many ways that could have gone wrong. I think is the is the great thing in the way that it actually turned out. You know, Mason mm. has got Martial and Rashford, and different players in that situation might try and slide one of those two players in, but the delivery. The float, the the quality of that floated cross into Fernandez was exquisite, and mm. as you said there, to be able to get that good a connection on there, I mean Matt Ryan and the Brighton goal didn't have a single chance with pretty much any of these goals tonight. It, they no, were no. all really high quality, and what more to say? It was remarkable stuff at times from United, and you know the ending of the game, the last sort of half hour was a bit damp by comparison. But you know United made five substitutions. You know it's not surprising mm. that you know there wasn't market uh, noticeable uh, dripping quality in terms of our build-up play. We still had plenty of chances. Dan James flashed a couple and clearly still struggling. I think was those his yeah. first. No, he, he came back against Sheffield United, but wasn't involved against Norwich. So. Yeah, he, I mean, he was struggling towards you know the end of football prior to lockdown anyway. You know, he did get a great goal against uh, Lask, but you know, I think now that Mason's firmly established himself as you know de facto right-sided attacker at the moment, you know, Dan is going to get time and space to develop a little bit more, hopefully, and as opposed to being flogged every single week, which is a good thing for him. You know, I'm, I know that you weren't particularly pleased with him, but at the same time, you know, I'm not too worried about that now, especially not when you've got you know. Daddy Agarlo scoring every time he starts a game in the cup competitions at the moment. Yeah, I think the thing with Dan James is that, as you said, he he wasn't supposed to be starting every week. You know, something clearly didn't quite go quite right in the summer transfer window, and it wasn't in our intention to be playing him 40, 50 games. And I think what's happened is he's come in as something new and different and had, had an immediate impact. And then because... I think that the stage that his game's at is quite one-dimensional. Opponents have worked him out to a degree. And I think what he needs from here is he needs a bit of time and space to go away and kind of develop more facets to his game mm-hmm. without the pressure of having to actually perform on a match day. Yeah, every, and get every everything day. right first time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I can't highlight enough, and I think this, this also goes back to what we talk about in terms of creativity. United in the last perhaps year or two years, it's been basically Pogba or no one. And what that does in terms of creativity and what that does is it puts enormous pressure on Pogba, which I think has been to his detriment in terms of his game. And it also puts an enormous pressure on the other players who are supposed to be creating but aren't necessarily ready or talented enough or whatever to be doing to be to be doing that job. And what you have once you've got all these different avenues of attack and you've got players who can really do damage, it does allow you more easily, as Fergie used to to find, to develop the sort of more raw talents that you've got. It's easier for Mason Greenwood to come into this team now and really and show his stuff because there's not... I mean, if you think back to to Adnan Yanazai in that, that, that Moyes season, and Adnan, you know, United was struggling on every every front. Adnan came in, he looked really promising at the start, and suddenly it's Adnan or bust, you know, people cheering Adnan coming on as a sub to try and rescue games. And it's just an 18 year old kid. And you could see the impact that, that had on his on his progression and what happened to him subsequently. Yeah, yeah. And sure. it's, all, it's almost like taking him all that intervening period before he's really kind of found himself as a player at, at Sociedad. And I think the same, you risk the same thing with, with guys like Dan James and whoever else. And it, if Brandon Williams was kind of coming into this, terrible sort of really one-dimensional 
team that's struggling it can it can really have no impact on them whereas now i think we've got a good first team and a good system in place where you can take one of the those already established players out put one of the more younger talented players in and the, the pressure isn't all on them and so they can just do, they can do their thing and and you know we're, we're in such a better position now than we were even three or four months ago with Pogba out no Bruno it's it, that those two players coming in has made all the difference not just to United's creativity as a whole but I think it's made, making a lot of difference to the players around them as well that's exactly what I was going to say yeah you can see how much more aware and alert to dangerous situations the likes of Rashford and Martial are you know they know where to be aiming for they know which areas to attack you know nowhere was that more obvious than when we were playing Sheffield United last week and yeah, it's excellent to see. You know, I mean, we we don't know what this is going to lead to in terms of United's league season because it is out of our hands. You know, if Leicester and Chelsea win their games in hand over us, having won tonight, you know, there will be five and six points adrift of them respectively. And you know, our goal difference has certainly improved over the last week. You know, it's gone up plus six mm. since we returned from lockdown. But we still need to claw back ten goals if we're going to try and overhole Leicester, which seems like the more realistic option given their current form at the minute. But regardless, you know, I mean, after the FA Cup victory, after today, after that Sheffield United game, there's lots of things to be happy about. No, we don't know what's going to happen with the Champions League places at the minute. And obviously there's a lot of financial pressure and otherwise pressure to actually get one of those European spots. And we still don't know what's going to happen. So, you know, that element is going to cause some consternation for at least a couple more weeks. But, you know, whatever, you know, United are playing some gorgeous gorgeous football some of the best football that we've played for well over a decade in my books put, and put it this way put it this way we've lost a player this week in Angel Gomez a really talented young player and any other time a year ago or two years ago or three years ago that would have felt far more significant than it does feel now mm. because we're not hoping we're not hoping on something coming through some you know just and another Greenwood appearing and, and suddenly filling all the holes that we had before. We've got we've got other players who can do these jobs. And so while it's a, a real shame that he's going, he might he may well be taking the right decision because he he wasn't getting games at United and and he probably could somewhere else. So but it doesn't feel like the the disaster that it might have felt like twelve months ago or eighteen months ago. No, I'd agree with that. The only other thing to think about now is in in terms of what United would have done in this game previously you know both times we've played at Brighton over the last couple of seasons we've lost you know and we were rubbish in both games yes they're under a different manager but that is a game that we have typically lost and it's been a very dispiriting um, event in the process so watching United perform like that obviously different circumstances but I think we can take we can enjoy that you know I feel like we can take a lot of positives from that game. And, I, you know, we still need more. Everyone knows we need more. But at this exact moment in time, it's nice to be a Manchester United fan. You know, when was the last time we had a pod with three wins to feature? I know, right? Amazing. Mm. Think about, if if you're making a comparison to those two previous games at the Amex, think about the atmosphere around the club at that point, at that time, under Mourinho. The first the first one was the 1-0 one, one defeat in which Mourinho essentially picked a sort of second string team and put Rashford and Martial out there so that he could say, look, I've made these changes and they're shit and that's why I'm not playing them. You know, that that, that was basically what happened, wasn't it? <clears throat> he came out afterwards and said, look, you can see why I'm not playing these players now because they're shit. The second game, the 3-2 defeat, was 
you know, right at the start of the season where Mourinho had thrown his toys out and, and clearly the entire club was an absolutely miserable place for everybody. And, and you know, we've and, and the, the turnaround in, in terms of, not just in terms of the football, but in terms of the atmosphere and the, and the feeling around the club is just so different, isn't it? We've, we've had quite a lot of, there was a, a piece in Le Keep today, I think, or yesterday, essentially saying that Pog was really happy now. And, but you, you can see that everybody's playing and smiling and, and they look like they're happy and they look like they, they're really enjoying being at Manchester United. And the last two times we've gone to Brighton, it was the exact opposite. It, it, we looked like we want to be anywhere else than there. Of all the things that Ollie's achieving now, the way that he's changed the the feeling around United, and also I think the the feeling of the fans towards the team as well, because we we can look at this team now, and I really do like it. I like them. I like the people, and I didn't necessarily like the people twelve months ago or, or whenever eighteen months ago. That shouldn't be taken for granted. That that enormous swing just in twelve months from the last time we we were embarrassed at, at the Amex. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of good. I don't really think we need to add anything more onto that, Rich. Let's just enjoy the moment for the time being. Got a quick prediction for Bournemouth for us before we head off? Oh, you'd be really disappointed if we didn't win that fairly comfortably, wouldn't you? Let's let's go for another 3-0. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say 3-1. I think we're going to get a little bit too comfortable. But yeah, I mean, I guess after this period, having played these three games in six days, which is a big ask, you know, I think it's, it's United's fixture that's now sort of spreads out a little bit. So we've got games every four days at least. So... That should hopefully help with the recovery. But yeah, look forward to that, Rich. What about you? Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. I mean, I, I, again, 12 months ago, not looking forward to games. Now, looking forward to games. And that's, yep. that's, that's, that's a huge... I mean, it's as simple as that, isn't it? It's, that's, that's, it's that bigger change. Really, really lost enthusiasm for... And I know you were the same. Lost enthusiasm for watching United. And it feels like, certainly in the last 12 to 15 games, at the least, probably if, probably since Burnley, we've got that back. We've got that mm. back and we're looking... For, and, and a lot of that's down to Bruno Fernandes and a lot of that's down to Pogba coming back. But it's also just about feeling a direction and actually looking forward to United playing some good football. Yeah, a lot of things have all intertwined and lined up at the same time, which yeah. has created a plan that really could do Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and United some good. Let's see how we get on. Yeah. Right, well, that was fun, wasn't it? Here's tomorrow after Bournemouth on Saturday. But until then, don't forget you can get us on Twitter. You can find me at at Ewan Linnet, Paul at Paul Gunning one and the pod at Red Voices MUFC. Don't forget the podcast can also be found on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes and Stitcher. Please, any reviews and ratings on iTunes are hugely helpful and make sure we get to as many as possible. And just a quick final reminder to download the Pitch Sport app on the Apple app or Google Play stores if you fancy predicting your favourite United starting 11s, getting some scores and challenging your friends. We'll be back this weekend. Take care and see you soon.